Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know how you stay in your seat after something like that. You know, this week's God's going to show up and make His presence known. Uh, the question is whether or not we'll show up, right? He, he's always present. He's always wanting to stir our hearts and draw us closer to Him. None of us are as close to Him as we can be, right? We can always get closer to Jesus. That's what this Christian walk is all about. And I thank God for that. I thank God that there's places I can grow, <laughs> uh, that I can grow closer in my walk with Jesus than I am right now. That gives me something to look forward to. I don't know about you, but I want to live in revival. I don't want to just live in revival. I want to be a revival. Everywhere I go, I want to take the spirit of the living God. That's who we say we worship, who we say has set us free. So I think the church needs to live like it. Amen? You know, it's an honor and a privilege to be here, and I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Um, and I, I just look forward to what the Lord's going to do this week. I have been praying about this for some time. Uh, I recently heard a story about a speaker invited to do an event like this, um, and he was invited to, to give just about a 20-minute presentation, and after about an hour and 15 minutes, the pastor threw a hymnal at him from the third row, <laughs> except he missed the speaker and hit a little old lady in the back of the head, and as she was sliding into unconsciousness, she said, hurry up and hit me again, I can still hear him. So... <laughs> I hope I don't have that same effect on you uh, this week. I pastored, but before moving to Kentucky, I was in North Carolina all of my life pastoring at several assignments there and then uh, had a quick stay in Illinois at Decatur First Church of the Nazarene before coming back uh, to the Southeast region and being appointed district superintendent in Kentucky. But when I pastored Decatur First Church, they had a very unique tradition during the Easter season. The weeks leading up to Easter on Wednesday nights, the families of the church would gather in uh, the fellowship area, the Family Life Center, and they would do devotions through Lent. And they would also, after the devotions were over, would work on building their crosses. They brought in all kinds of scrap wood and decorative things from maybe Hobby Lobby or somewhere and paint and markers and the children and the adults, they all made a cross. And some of them wrote Bible verses on their cross and others decorated their crosses with flowers and others wrote people's names and some of the crosses were small and some were large. And then on Palm Sunday, we would have a quick meal after church and over 200 people would take those crosses that they'd been working on for a month and they would begin a journey from the north side of Decatur all the way through town to Central Park in the middle of town. And on that journey, which was about six miles, they would walk through the upper class neighborhoods and they would walk through the middle class neighborhoods and they would walk through the areas that had been stricken with poverty and they would walk through business sections of town and finally they would end up right in the center of town, sort of the hub, if you will, and they would have a worship service. 
And I was captivated by that tradition. That wasn't something that they did once or twice. It was something that they did every single year. And my friends, the message behind that is this. The cross doesn't need any words. The cross is God's plan for our salvation. And there's no other way. The cross that Christ gave his life on at Calvary, where he shed his blood, there's still power in the cross. And it's power for us as we live in this world. My friends, that's the message of the gospel. And if you've come to Jesus, you've come by way of the cross. For there's no other way to come. It's the way God has chosen to redeem humanity. And we thank Him for that. Amen. We praise Him for that, that. That Jesus paid a price that we couldn't pay so that we could be free. And, and as Christians, we're not just called to come to the cross. And I hope you have. But we're called to take up a cross. Because it's still God's message for the world. And this morning I propose to you that the cross works and nothing else does. The cross still works. I don't care what the culture's saying. I don't care what the politicians are saying. I don't care what the universities are saying. There's only one thing that works and it's the cross of Christ. The cross works and nothing else does. Would you say that with me this morning? The cross works and nothing else does. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 17. I'd like to ask you if you would to stand with me this morning as we read from God's Word together. The words of Paul to the church at Corinth. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I could preach for an hour on that one verse. Especially as it relates to today's culture. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the what power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who... what. For Jews demand a sign. Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He's the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. <laughs> His ways are higher than our ways. Yeah. 
For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. He is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. He is your redemption. Hallelujah. So that it is, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that your promises are forever true. And you said your word does not return void. You also say that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so God, I pray for an increased level of faith in this place today. Let us have ears to hear. God, I don't want to be seen or heard. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus being high and lifted up so that he can draw us closer to himself. And God, as you work in a way this week that only you can... We give you praise, honor, and glory in advance in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen. amen. You may be seated. The cross is offensive to the world. You realize that, right? Yeah, the message of the cross is offensive because it says you're not good enough. It says on your own merit and on your own works, you'll never make it. It says that the best you can offer God is like a filthy rag. That's what it says. It says that without Him, you can do nothing. That apart from Him, uh, it's impossible to accomplish anything for the kingdom. Now, now I want to explain that because Paul gives a thorough explanation in this text. He says... He basically says that when we try to add human wisdom to the message of the cross, that the cross loses its power. Now, now there is a divine mystery associated with the cross. It is, it is the wisdom of God, and it can't be discerned with human wisdom. It can't be discerned with intellectualism. And because we as human beings don't fully understand why God selected the cross, our natural inclination, same as the Corinthian church, is to view the cross as a scandal of sorts. To think, oh, this is some made-up story by a bunch of you know, blue-collar workers back in, on some Judean, Judean hillside somewhere. And, and you know, over the centuries, it's, they've just kept it going. And so we just kind of view the cross as a scandal. And the cross, Paul says, is offensive to those who are perishing. Now, there's a sign for us, church. If the cross offends you, then you got some work to do with God. If you embrace the message of the cross fully, then you're, you're where you need to be, right? I mean, he, he says that, that it is offensive to those who are perishing. In other words, the crucifixion of Jesus is irrational. It is absurd to our depraved, sinful culture. How many of you know we live in a depraved, 
sinful culture. And I don't care who we vote in, and I don't care what they're trying to do in Washington. Let me say this to you. It's a sin problem, and you can't legislate sin. And until people start turning their hearts back to God and being drawn into a relationship with Jesus, we need to stop trying to legislate the culture and preach the cross of Christ because the cross works and nothing else does. You see, our pride blinds us to God's truth. Yet in all of humanity's achievements, oh, and they are many, in all of our intellectualism, in all of our philosophies, we still haven't found a way to God that doesn't include the cross of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to come to the cross, and it's by faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. And no one's ever going to enter heaven and stand in the presence of God and say they got there by his or her own works. The only way to get to heaven is by the cross. It's through faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. Now the idea that the cross is offensive, that may sound a little strange to us today because we adorn our churches with crosses. We adorn our Homes with crosses, right? Our living spaces. We, we have jewelry. I mean, you know, necklaces with crosses. And man, I see people getting tattoos of crosses and that sort of thing. And, and, and so we've, we've made the cross, we've beautified the cross, if you will, right? In our culture. We've, we've adorned the cross. Uh, we don't think of it as offensive. We don't think of it as, as a scandal. Uh, yet the Bible doesn't describe it as a beautified, adorned cross. It describes it as an old rugged cross. It describes it as a cross where the vilest of criminals were put to death. Now, I'm not saying you should get rid of your, your necklace or, you know, the, the, I got a big iron cross hanging on the wall in my living room that says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Uh, but, you know, I'm try- as we think of something in today's culture that we would liken to what the hearers in the Corinthian church would have heard, I, would, I think the best illustration would be to use an electric chair. I mean, you don't have any pictures of an electric chair hanging in your house, do you? Unless you're sick, right? You're not, you, don't get, you, you don't have a necklace with the electric chair on, on the end of it, do you? I mean, you're not decorating things with a picture of the electric chair, right? And, and, and here's what I've learned over the years is that even though we don't really view it as offensive, when it comes to spiritual matters, it pricks the deep, the message of the cross pricks the deepest part of our heart. I've preached a lot of sermons over the years. And I can preach on just about anything, and people are like, hallelujah, man, praise God. And, uh, but man, you start get talking about the cross and what the cross forces us to deal with in our lives, and it gets real quiet. It's the heart of Christianity. It's where Jesus shed his blood for the remission of sins. And the word says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness. Without the cross, there is no salvation. The cross works and nothing else does. The cross is where Jesus laid down his life. And the cross is where God invites you to come and lay down your life. I believe it's entirely possible to belong to the church all of your life. And never truly get this. Don't miss this. God's got you here today for a reason. That's what his provenient grace does, right? It woos you. 
It draws you because he loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his own son in flesh to die for you. Don't miss this. And some of you say, oh, well, I came to the cross. Well, how often are you still coming to the cross? Because that's where the power for living is found. You see, the message of the cross is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what the cross does to us is it forces us to admit that we are sinners. And a lot of people run around town, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. You know, that's that's hard for us to deal with. In the flesh, the Bible teaches in John 3, 19, this is interesting to me, that light, that being Jesus, has come into the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil, right? So they wanted to stay in the dark where they could keep their deeds hidden because when the light of the cross shines into our life, it fully exposes everything that might be going on in our life. Stuff that's creating a gap between me and God. Stuff that's creating static between me and the working of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now now, uh, people, uh, again, do not like to naturally admit that they're sinners. We don't like the light shining into the dark places of our lives. When we're confronted with the light of the cross, here's what it does. The light of the cross penetrates your pride. It penetrates your idolatry. It penetrates your lust. It penetrates your greed. It penetrates the things that you put before God. The vanity, the lying, the gossip, the cheating, the places that we don't like for anybody else to go. The cross goes there every single time. And then that feeling of conviction comes upon us, right? And people say, oh, I don't like that feeling. You ought to thank God for that feeling. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you, my friend. I would be worried when you don't sense it anymore. When your heart has gotten so hardened and callous towards sin that's pressing in on your life that you fail to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking and trying to craft and change and chisel away at your heart. Guess what? Because we don't like the light of the cross shining into our light, what Paul say? Becomes a stumbling block. Right? It, it becomes a stumbling block to some of us because it forces us to deal with stuff that we don't want to deal with. It becomes folly. Friends, listen. Do not let the foolishness that this world has imposed upon the gospel and the cross keep you from the cross. Don't let it happen. Don't lose your soul because the cross insults you. Thank God that it does. Thank God that it does because the cross works and nothing else does. Say that with me again. The cross works and nothing else does. The cross is offensive to the world. The cross is also God's only offer of salvation. It's his only offer. You know, God could have chosen any way that he saw fit to redeem humanity. And he chose the vilest way he chose the lowest way he chose the way that the worst among the worst go out of this world to lay a burden on Jesus that none of us could carry praise his name hallelujah 
You know, people don't like to talk about blood in our culture either. It's this big thing about violence, you know. But yet, we see it everywhere. We see violence everywhere. We're captivated by it. We don't like to talk about the blood when we're talking about the blood of Jesus, but we're okay with it in the movies. We're okay with it on the video games. We're okay with it in our favorite shows. Uh, we're okay with it when we glare at the news every single night of the week being filled with this narrative that they're stuffing down our throat and it's violent, 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 violent. It's everywhere. But we don't want to hear about it when it comes to the cross. Our culture don't want to hear about it when it comes to the cross. Our society has embraced the culture of death except when it comes to the cross. Our society is desensitized to bloody images. I, I got to tell you something because God convicted me a while back. I was flipping through the news back when this. Have you ever heard of so many shootings? And friends, I, I personally don't think, I mean, I'm not political. I try to stay right out of politics except for the politics of the kingdom. And Jesus has already been inaugurated king. Hallelujah. And I'm a citizen of another world. <laughs> But I don't think we're dealing with a gun problem or a violence problem. We're dealing with a heart problem. People's hearts are dark toward God. And man, if they meet Jesus at the foot of the cross, we won't have a gun problem then. We need a revival in this land. We need an awakening that does more than get the church excited, but that flows right out of the doors of the church into society where public figures are getting saved, where teachers are getting saved, where people are experiencing the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, not just in a church service, but every day when they wake up, throughout the day and every night when they lay their head on the pillow, God is with them. Hallelujah. But I was watching the news and I saw that shooting that happened in Las Vegas back, I don't know, six months ago now or something. And I was just kicked back in my, in my chair and just flipped right by the channel. It didn't even faze me. And the Lord came upon me in that chair and said, turn it back. How can you gloss over that? Those people were created in my image. They were created to carry my likeness. That's what we were created to do. I'm going to talk to you about that this week. To bear the glory of God. And when we learn how to be who God's created us to be, oh, then we're free. Hallelujah. How can you be the man that you are in Christ with this calling on your life and gloss over that? And he made me get on my knees right there in my living room and cry out to him on those people's behalf. But hadn't we grown numb? We need a new sensibility, or, or sensitivity, if you will. We need a new sensitivity when it comes to the cross of Christ. I have a pastor friend who, who one year at Easter showed a clip from The Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen the movie The Passion of the Christ? It's a graphic movie. I would say the real scene was a lot worse. But at Easter, this pastor friend of mine, it was in his first church, his first Easter in his first church, 
he showed a clip from the Passion of the Christ depicting the crucifixion of Jesus. And as they nailed Jesus to the cross, a, a woman who was also a member of the board jumped up, grabbed her husband by the arm, made a big storm out of the sanctuary, made a big scene, say, I can't believe he would show a rated R movie in the sanctuary. And then went out in the foyer and commenced to gossip and said things like, I don't like to see those bloody images of Jesus on the cross. I got news for that poor lady. The real scene was a lot worse and we ought to be thankful for it. Uh, because until we can learn to see that, that right there is where the, the wisdom of God is folly to the world, to those who are perishing. <laughs> the, wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is seen when the cross is displayed through our lives for all the world to see. I look at the cross with gratitude and humility for what God has accomplished for me. And friends, if the cross offends you you're probably not where you need to be with Jesus uh, the scripture puts us in a tough spot on that doesn't it I, I mean seriously some of you may say I, I'm, I'm not coming back uh, you know I'm gonna get up and leave right now but if you do then we'll know where you stand on this deal right so I mean that's how the cross works The Bible says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood makes atonement for your soul. And the, friends, the only way to obtain forgiveness is through the shedding of blood. The Hebrews writer says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no way around it. We'd have to remove a third of the Bible to get the blood out. So you want to come to God? You'll have to come by way of the cross. You're not where you need to be with God. You can be where you need to be, but you'll have to come by way of the cross. You need peace and joy restored in your life. You can find it at the foot of the cross because the cross works and nothing else does. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad that Jesus came, lived, and died for our sins? Hallelujah. He died for our sins. He justified us by His blood. He removed our sins never to be remembered against us again. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. They've been blotted out forever because of His finished work on the cross. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. The cross isn't only offensive it isn't only God's offer of redemption it's also power for living this life you need power for living this life you know people will spend their entire lives looking for fulfillment I know because I used to live that life I hope I can share some of my testimony with you this week because I was far from God. Oh, far from God. Drugs and alcohol and running and, and just rebellion and trouble with the law and 
just far from God. In November 19, 1989, at 9.15 at night at 2701 Holloman Street, High Point, North Carolina, 27263, the Holy Spirit showed up in a dark sanctuary on the right-hand side of the altar with my dad's hand on my back and the pastor praying through with me, and I left there changed, and I've never been the same. Hallelujah. People go to doctors, they'll go to counselors, they'll go to psychiatrists, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go to doctors and you shouldn't do whatever you need to do, but friends, we'll read every new book, we'll go to every seminar, we'll listen to everything Oprah's got to say, we'll seek out the world's advice to try to fill that void, but they never can seem to fill it because there's only one way to fill it. And that power is available to you through the cross and it's the only way that you're ever going to be able to fill that void and, and even though it may sound foolish and even though it may sound irrational the Bible says that God has chosen the preaching of the cross to bring people to himself but when we come to the cross we also leave with the cross if you want the power that's provided by the cross, it's going to demand you taking up a cross. And it isn't a matter of choosing to come once or twice or even a hundred times. It's being willing to share in Christ's suffering and resurrection for the sake of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross. How often? Daily. And follow me. That, friends, what that means is, is you carry a burden for the, the state of this society that we live in. You carry a burden for the sins of the world. You carry a burden for what's going on in Washington. You carry a burden for what's going on in the poorest part of Muncie. You carry a burden for the poor and the downtrodden and the drug. Drugs are at an epidemic in our society. That's a sin problem. We serve a God that still delivers us from sin. Hallelujah. Jesus said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Make no mistake, my friends, if you're going to be a cross bearer, it's going to mean discomfort, but it's also going to mean fulfillment. Hallelujah. The cross won't be easy, but it'll provide power, the power you're looking for. It will provide it. The joy you're looking for, the peace you're looking for, it will provide power to overcome even as the nails piercing the hands hmm. cross means forgiveness for you cross almost also means forgiveness from you to others unforgiveness plagues the church I'm glad Jesus forgives if you're going to be like him you're going to have to forgive too You don't have to forgive that person that wronged you. Oh, I've seen it. Somebody sitting on this side and somebody sitting on that side that ain't spoken years. I've seen it. I know y'all don't have that problem here, thank God. I've seen it. Plagues, families. You'll have to forgive that family member that wronged you. You'll have to forgive that person in your family that abused you. You'll have to forgive that spouse that was unfaithful to you. You'll have to forgive that child that wronged you. 
You'll have to forgive that employer that hasn't done right by you. Friends, the world teaches that there are many ways to heaven and there are many ways to be satisfied while you're here. But the Bible teaches there's only one. And it's the cross. It's through the blood of Jesus at Calvary. And there is no alternative to the cross. And if you really want to know God, and if you really want to walk in intimacy with Jesus, you'll have to come by way of the cross, and you'll have to keep coming to the cross. Can I get you to come and play something, brother? I think there's a picture of my daughter and her doctor. This is my daughter, Casey. She looks just like me, doesn't she? <laughs> Casey's adopted from China, and she has, she's one of my adopted China daughters. She has a blood disorder called beta thalassemia major. She is a St. Jude patient, and that's, that's her with her doctor in Peoria, Illinois. Beta thalassemia major, what that means is that her blood does not produce hemoglobin. So the oxygen in her blood gets depleted after so many weeks. And so every five and a half, six weeks, she gets a blood transfusion every five and a half six weeks for the rest of her life she will get a blood transfusion unless they come up with a cure or unless God heals her every five and a half six weeks that means that myself or her mother get in a car and drive her from the east side of Louisville, Kentucky to Peoria, Illinois, or Memphis, Tennessee, one of the two. Peoria is the shortest, it's five hours and 15 minutes. It's a sacrifice, but God called us to get that girl. Some have said, isn't that a great inconvenience, having those adopted kids with you and your wife's work schedule? Yeah, yeah, it is. Sure is. It's also the greatest fulfillment I've ever experienced in my life. For my daughter that God brought to my... I'm going to tell you something about this kid. I got four kids, two biological, two adopted, and this one loves me more than anybody in the world. I'm just telling you. And the rest of them know it. <laughs> that is daddy's girl right there, okay? She wants to be with daddy. For her to live, she has to have blood. So is it an inconvenience? Sure it is. But so what? When we get in that car to drive to St. Jude the night before her transfusion, oftentimes we're driving and there's praise and worship playing on the radio and 
just with the light of the dashboard shining on her little face while she's trying to rest, she'll reach over and grab my hand. And she's got this little thing she does where she will squeeze my hand three times and that says, I love you. And I squeeze hers back and as I hold her little soft hand in mine and she just sort of dozes off to sleep, I just praise God for her. And I thank God that he chose me to put her in that car, to take her to Peoria so that she can get blood. Some of you today, maybe you need to thank God that he chose Jesus to go to the cross because you couldn't go so that you could have the blood of Jesus to cover for your sins. Now I want to remind you as we close this morning, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. <laughs> He's not on the cross anymore, hallelujah. He died to give us life, but He lives to give us hope, praise His name. And if you want to live with Him, if you want to live with Him, you'll have to come and die with Him. So I want everybody in this place to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and I want you to listen to me. We're going to have revival this week. The Holy Spirit's going to show up. We're going to pray. We're going to have some serious times of corporate prayer. But if you're not where you need to be with God, you're not going to experience it whether you're here or not. So first I want to talk to those of you who may not be in a right relationship with God. What I've preached to you today, you've heard the gospel. You've got everything you need to make a decision. And now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just you and Jesus time, you're going to have to pray. You say, dear God, forgive me my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. The Bible says if, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad of that promise? That's not an if so, hope so, maybe so sort of salvation. That's a, you can know who you belong to. And if you need to confess your sins to him today and invite Jesus into your life or renew your life, renew your commitment to Jesus, I want to open these altars. I want you to come down. Nobody looking around. I want you to come and we're going to pray with you. Maybe some of you here, you know, there, there, there's a problem with the church today and it's a great problem. And it has to be addressed if we're going to ever be effective. And it is that there are too many Christians that live defeated lives. They show up at church on Sunday and they're defeated the rest of the time. You know why they're defeated? Because they've stopped coming to the cross. If you have an absence of victory in your life in any area, the altars are open this morning. I'm going to ask the whole band. Can the whole band come back up here? Let's get the whole band up here. Let's sing this song that you were singing, the last one you sung before. Yeah. 
And maybe there's some of you here that just want to thank Jesus for the cross. We do, we do that here at the foot of the cross. If you're not where you need to be with Jesus, make your way forward. If you need peace that only Jesus can give and victory, and you want to experience revival in your own life, make your way forward. And if you just want to come and praise Him, make your way forward as we sing this song together. And some of you, maybe you just want to come and lay your hand on the shoulder of somebody that's, that's already kneeling here. We don't want people to bear burdens alone. We're all called to bear the cross together. Amen. If you have a hard time standing, please be seated. I would ask some of you, though, that are really devoted in your walk with Jesus to come and lay your hand on these that are gathered here on the, at the altars. Come and gather behind them. There's, the Bible teaches us that there's something about the laying on of hands where the anointing of God, the spirit of unity, is known. You can be free today. This was that song, right? You can be free today. I want you to listen to these lyrics. I want you to sing them with all your heart. Pray them. And let Jesus set you free. He's going to set some people free this week. I believe that with all of my heart. So invite some friends. Invite people. Well, I want you to take this time to pray as we sing together. And if you need to be seated, you can. If you want to come forward and stand and just praise Him here at the altars, you're free to do that as well. Alone in my sorrow dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested my life began Oh, ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Release from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. 
Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested. Okay, is that on? Um, the enemy is going to oppose the church forever. Until Jesus steps out on the cloud and the trump of God sounds, the enemy's going to oppose the church. And he's going to oppose you this week. He's going to oppose me this week. Jesus taught us how to handle the enemy. Jesus spoke to him. <laughs> Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Get behind us, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I pray against every hindrance, against every demon, against every spiritual uh, uh, spirit of darkness in high places that set itself up in our minds, in our hearts, in our homes, in our culture, that nothing would prohibit us this week. I prayed the same prayer all the way down this side of the altar with folks. Here's what it is. People, you can be free in Jesus. I mean no part bondage, but the key to that is walking in intimacy with the Holy Spirit to where there's no static, 
listening for the small still voice, changing some habits, whatever it may be that's going on in your life, the rhythms of your life that need to shift so that you can walk closer to Him every day. Not just today, but tomorrow morning. You can hear the voice of the Lord through the preached word at church, but you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when you get off when your head wake, when you wake up in the morning and you get up off your pillow. Amen. So this week we're going to learn how to walk in intimacy with Jesus. Today was we're going to clear the slate, right? That's what the cross does. We're going to clear the slate, and this week we're going to walk in intimacy with Jesus. And there's nothing more important in my life than that. So be free. Be free, church, as you go. What's that real big buildup in this song? Let's sing it. You are dismissed. Be free in the name of Jesus. Did you need to sing? Oh, we're free.